So we're in a series, as I said, called Marching Orders. And we're basically just looking at how it is that we're supposed to live in a post-Christian world. That's what we're living in right now. And so this morning, once again, I kind of want to lay the groundwork. And I found a gentleman by the name of Wallace Henley. He is a former House of Representatives. He's an apologist. Um, he's a, he was a former teaching pastor. And I would probably say that he would be considered probably a theologian, okay? And he wrote an article. And the title of his article is this, Dear Churches in America, Prepare to Live and Be Treated Like First Century Christians in Rome. All right, let's see what he wrote here. Churches that hold to a strict and conservative interpretation of the Bible's teaching about gender and marriage may find themselves Romanized. Now, here's, here's what I want you to understand about that. What he's saying here is that the local church who does not embrace what the world is telling us we should embrace, in this case, same-sex marriage, Wallace tells us, you better be ready because the ground you're standing on is pretty shaky when it comes to the government. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying right now, anything that is Christian, whether it's a school, whether it's a university, whether it's a religious institution, all of us are standing on shaking ground that we could lose our, our status with the government. We could lose our tax exempt status, those types of things. Now, I want you to know, I need you to be praying about that because here's what happens. When we lose those things, what that tells us is that the government wants to speak into what we do, what we can and can't say. And we've got to be aware of that. All right, now, he didn't stop here. The next thing he did, and this is what I thought was really interesting, he said, I'm going to show you now the five steps that culture takes, that society takes to silence voices. Here's what it is. Marginalization caricaturization, vilification, criminalization, and elimination. Okay, those are the five steps. This is from history. This is what we've seen, not just here in the United States, but in other places. These are the five steps that they use to eliminate and silence voices. Now, you know they want to silence our voice, right? All right, now, so where do you think we are? Well, Wallace tells us that. Look at what he says. We have reached the stage of vilification. Conservative Christians are now regarded by the consensus establishments as the villains in transformed America. The Supreme Court may well take us to the criminalization stage. I believe that in my lifetime, I'm going to see that happen. I, I really do. I believe in my lifetime it's gonna to move to that next stage. All right, now, I know you're probably thinking, well, so what? Okay, so what are we supposed to do? Well, that's what we're gonna talk about today. The time is now is that we need to be thinking about living like first century Christians in Rome. And the title of my message today is this, we need to be on our guard. We need to be on our guard and be ready. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Matthew chapter 10, 
And I'm going to read from verses 16 through 23. And this is Jesus talking in this entire passage. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware. For you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, give us the wisdom to represent you in a way that brings glory to your name. So help us all this morning, Father, and throughout this week to be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I know these are some pretty serious topics, but you know what? We need serious topics for serious times, right? I hope and pray that you're taking notes, and then I hope and pray that you're looking and listening to what the Spirit of the living God is saying to you. Now, I don't know if you heard how Jesus began this, but Jesus began this by saying, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Anybody hear that? All of you should raise your hands because I just read it. <laughs> Come on! No. But here's what I want you to remember about this. Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. I have never known anyone to adopt this as their life verse. But every Jewish person living at that time would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. You see, the shepherding industry is a huge industry. There are millions of sheep in Israel at this time. And because there are millions of sheep, guess what? Everybody deals with the problem of wolves. Now, I want to put this in basic terms so you can hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying this. It is my intention to send you out like sheep among wolves. In other words, Jesus is saying, it's part of my plan. I'm intentionally putting you in the middle of the wolves. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was reading that during this week and just kind of concentrating on it, the first thought that came to my mind was, gee whiz, that sounds like a death sentence, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know if you're aware of this, but wolves eat sheep. And I'm thinking to myself, I would much rather be back in the pen where it's safe 
But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you are a follower of mine, I am intentionally putting you where the wolves are. But that's not the biggest part of that verse that kind of grabbed me. You know what the part of this verse that really got my attention? It was this. There is no promise of deliverance connected with this verse. There's no promise of deliverance connected with this verse. Wow. So what does that mean? Well, it kind of reminds me of another situation in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. There were three men, remember their names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were told, because there was this gold statue that was made, and they were told, when you hear the horn, you need to bow down and worship that gold statue. Now, I just want you to think about this, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were doing nothing wrong. They were doing nothing out of the ordinary, and all of a sudden, they find themselves in the middle of the wolves, and their lives are at stake. But what did they do? They kept on doing what they had been doing from the beginning, worshiping and calling on the name of the Lord. When they threatened them, this is what they said. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Now listen to these words. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve you, your gods, or worship the gold statue you have set up. Wow, those are some pretty brave men, aren't they? Now, what I want you to hear now is I want you to hear Jesus' instructions of what he is calling us to do. Here's what the instructions are. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. Do you see that? Be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. What is Jesus saying? Here's what he's telling us. Snakes know how to disguise themselves. So here's what he's telling us. I'm putting you in the middle of the wolves, but don't be foolish. Pay attention. Be on your guard. And be harmless as dove, which means be humble, speak the truth, and be honest. So in other words, Jesus is saying, you're going to be in the middle of it whether you know it or not. It's going to happen. But when it happens, don't worry. Just don't be foolish and poke the wolves. Don't try and bring attention to yourself. But speak honestly and truthfully and be humble. That's his advice to us. All right, now, so I just want to, real quickly, I want to look at three reasons when I ask the question, so why is Jesus sending us out? Why would he do that? And here's why. The first one is this, so that we can bear witness. Did you hear that? So that you can tell the rest of the world that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Here's the scripture verse. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. 
You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. So this is kind of how I want to say it to you. Did I go back? There we go. Sorry. All right. Jesus said, they will hand you over, okay? That's not a good thing, okay? They will beat you, okay? That's even worse. They will hand you over to the governors, and that doesn't sound good either, does it? But you will bear witness for me to the nations, and that's good. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Even though we know, the Bible tells us, that we will be placed in difficult situations, We know we don't have the promise of deliverance, but we do have the promise of power to speak on the Lord's behalf. I'm going to say that again. No, there is no promise of deliverance, but there is the promise of power to speak on the Lord's behalf. Okay? I want to introduce you to somebody. Okay? This is Jordan Woolley. Jordan is a seventh grader in Katy, Texas. Her teacher told her that God was nothing more than a myth. Jordan didn't expect this coming. But when her teacher said that, Jordan kind of ears kind of perked up because she's a believer. And so you know what she did? She wrote a paper. And she wrote a paper basically telling, this is who Jesus is. This is what I believe. She basically became an apologist. And she shared, this is why I believe what we believe, what she believes. And you know what happened? It went to the principal, it went to the school board, and then the media got a hold of it. Here's Jordan sitting in a classroom like she always does, not thinking anything about anything, and all of a sudden she finds herself in the midst of the wolves when her teacher says, God is a myth. And what did she do? She was humble, she was honest, she was truthful, and she simply was a witness to who Jesus is. Now here's what I want you to know. The Bible tells us in this world, there will be trials, there will be tribulations, right? We're going to have tough times. Jesus tells us that it's a part of the plan. We are going to go through this, but I want you to remember this. When we're going through whatever trial it is you're going through, Jesus tells us what we're supposed to do. And here's what he tells us. Don't ask me to take you out of the trial. I'm going to say that again. Don't ask me to take you out of the trial. Well, then what is he asking us to do? Remember his prayer in John 17? Let's look at this part. Look at what it says here. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. This is Jesus praying to his father about you and I. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Jesus tells us, 
Don't get them out of the situation, but give them strength to go through the situation. Now listen to me very carefully, okay? That means even if you're going through a trial that involves suffering. Some of you in here may be walking through a difficult testing period, a trial right now. You didn't ask for this, and all of a sudden, it's kind of dropped in your lap. I want you to listen to me very carefully. There isn't anything in this world that happens that doesn't first filter through the fingers of God. And so if it's come through the fingers of God and you are experiencing it, listen very carefully. It must be part of his plan. So don't ask God to take you out of the plan plan or the suffering. Just ask him to give you strength in and through the suffering. Here's the second thing. We can demonstrate the reality of our faith, okay? We can demonstrate the reality of our faith. Look at this scripture verse here. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. All right, now Jesus is painting for us a pretty bleak and scary picture of society, but here's what he's saying. Brother will betray brother, father will betray child, and children will betray parents. Everywhere you go, if you are my followers, you will be hated and you will have to move from town to town. I want you to listen to this next point. And I know some of you are going through this right now. I want you to know that I realize that some of you, the hardest thing that God may ask you to do is to bear witness to who he is through your family. The hardest group of people that you may have to tell about what Jesus Christ has done in your life is to your family. You know what your family's gonna say, don't you? Oh, 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 you're saved. Ah. You forget, I remember what you were like when you were little. You forget, I know your strengths and weaknesses. You forget, I know about those things that you don't want anybody in the else to know. And now you tell me you're saved? And here's what I always hear how families respond to that. They always respond with this. So now you think you're better than us. My friends, there will come a time in all of your lives when you will have to stand up and you will have to demonstrate your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus must come first. He must come first. You see, here's the problem with this. 
You don't know when it's going to happen, right? It may happen at home in your family. It may happen in school. It may happen in your neighborhood with your friends. It may happen at your job. But there will come a time when you're going to have to demonstrate your faith in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I remember my daughter, Nicole, sitting here. She was at college. She was in one of her humanity classes. It was a very large class. I think there were seven or 800 students that were in it. The teacher was asking about your sexuality. In other words, so how experienced are you in sexuality? And she asked questions like, have you hold hands? Have you kissed? Have you slept with somebody? All of those types of things. And so when she went through this, then she realized that the only thing that Nicole had put down is that she has held hands with another boy. And the teacher made the comment, you've never kissed another boy? Everybody in the class heard it. Especially the football players way in the back. And the comments that they made, oh, sweetheart, can I show you a good time? After that class, she called home in tears. But you know what she just did? She was thrown in the middle of the wolves. And what did she do? She stood on what she believed because her answer was, I'm saving myself for my husband. There's going to come a time. There's going to come a time in your life when Jesus is going to ask you to stand up for him. And what I want you to remember is this. It's true, you guys. Ultimately, Jesus brings peace. But intermediately, the gospel always brings division. Here's the last one. That we may become like Christ through our suffering. Here's this Bible verse. Students are not greater than their teacher and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the member of my household will be called even worse names. So here's kind of what Jesus is telling us. He's saying... I'm the teacher, you are the disciples. I'm the master, you are my slaves. I'm the head of the household, you are all part of my household. And let me ask you a question. Guys, how did they treat Jesus? They crucified him, didn't they? Why would we expect them to treat us any different? You see, what Jesus is quoting here is a proverb that was very common in those days. And the proverb simply went like this. It's common sense to know that a student will never be treated with more honor than his master. And if the path that Jesus was on led for everyone, the world to hate him, why should we expect the path that we are on, which is the same as Jesus, why should we expect any of them to treat us any differently? right? So we shouldn't be surprised when people ostracize us, when they make fun of us, when they say things about us behind our back because we are followers of Jesus. You know what we should do? We should stand tall 
and we should put our shoulders back and we wanna stand firm in the power of the Holy Spirit because we have just done what Jesus has asked us to do. Now, there's one more thing that Jesus tells us, and then I'm gonna wrap this up. And here's what he tells us. You can't be afraid. Did you hear that? You can't be afraid. Even in those days, you know how the Jewish leaders, you know how they intimidated the disciples and believers? You know what they did? They threatened them. Remember Peter and John? After Jesus had ascended into heaven and they're brought before the Sanhedrin, And remember what happened? They threatened them. If you say anything more about this, we're going to beat you. We're going to throw you in prison. They were trying to scare them. And what was Peter's answer? Hey, dude, listen, you can say what you want to say, but I know what I've seen. How can I stop telling the world about what I have seen and what God has done for me? That's how I want to be. Isn't that what you want to be? And you know what? Our world right now, they're trying to scare us and manipulate us. Why? So they can control us. Remember, when people don't understand things, they attack it. Now, Jesus gives us a remedy about this fear. And here's what he says. So I'm going to close with this. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. All right, so what does this all mean? Here's what it means. Faithful proclamation and practice of the gospel will always put God's disciples on a collision course with the powers of this world. We'll say it again. Faithful proclamation and practice will always put, always put God's disciples on a collision course with the powers of this world. And Jesus tells us, don't be afraid. It may be tough. You may go through some really difficult times, but I'll tell you what it is that you're supposed to say. I want to close with asking this question. So why would these disciples do something that they knew they could lose their life over? Why would we as followers and believers of Jesus, why would we go out and go through all of that garbage when we can stay in the pen and be completely safe? The Coast Guard has a saying, and the saying goes like this. You have to go out, but you don't have to come back. Think about that. You have to go out, but you don't have to come back. In other words, they realize we have to go out because that's what we do. That's our calling. That's our mission. But we understand that putting our life on the line for others may keep us from coming back. I want you to listen to this real quickly. I want, you to, I want to tell you how all the disciples died. Andrew, he died on a cross. James, he was beheaded. James, one of Jesus' brothers, was thrown from the top of the temple, and then he was beaten to death with a club. John, the beloved one, died of extreme old age. Judas hanged himself. 
Thaddeus was shot to death with arrows. Matthew was crucified. Nathaniel was flayed alive and beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down next to his wife. Philip was hanged, and Thomas was run through the body with a lance. What would cause these men to give up their lives? You know what it was? Because that was their mission. That was their calling to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus told them, I will give you the power. I will give you the strength. I will never leave you, but go and be my disciples. A police officer, a firefighter, might go out and risk their lives because of the badge they wear. Someone who serves in the military might go out and risk their life because of the flag that they represent. So what would cause us as Christians to go out and to endure whatever it is that we have to endure, the persecution? You know what it is? It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it's at the cross where Jesus gave up everything for you and I. And that empty cross leads to an empty tomb. And just like what you saw me do this morning, as I baptized these people who chose to identify themselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, buried with Christ and raised to new life. My friends, listen, the Bible tells us, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. Be afraid of the one who can kill both body and soul. This is not our home. This is not our permanent dwelling place. We have another home and it's in heaven with the Lord Jesus. And God has given us the commission, the calling to go into all the world and spread the good news that Jesus is the savior. When he said it is finished, he meant that it is finished. And because of that, I wanna represent him in everything I do. Are you with me? Those are our marching orders.